0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series. Interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi everyone, this is Pat Sherlock and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is how can processors become the next loan officers? I have the perfect expert Beth Eller. She is Vice President of Mortgage Lending at Truliant Federal Credit Union. Prior to that, Beth was with Truist, formerly BB&T and SunTrust, and Bradford Mortgage. Hi, Beth.
1: Hey, Pat. How are you today?
0: Good. Actually, I wanted to congratulate you. I saw when you were a 2021 rock star, according to the Credit Union Magazine. What an honor.
1: Oh, thank you. I was was absolutely thrilled to receive that honor, and felt felt very fortunate to to be in such a select group of people.
0: Yes, it is quite an honor to say the least. Well, that's a good starting off for us to talk about. How did you get into mortgage banking, and how did you get into managing?
1: <laughs> well, like most people, I didn't um, grow up thinking, "Oh, I want to be a mortgage lender or a mortgage banker." You know, it's something you tend to. To fall into. And I think you either either love it and stay in it for a long time or, or you don't like it at all and, and get out. But I um, actually graduated from college and moved to Winston-Salem to be close to my boyfriend at the time, now husband of, of 33 years and and needed a job. And so I got a, a job as a temporary receptionist at a mortgage company and just really loved it and had family members in the mortgage business. My uncle was a career mortgage banker and Called him up and told him I was working as a temporary, and he came and took me out to dinner and talked to me all about mortgage lending. And and I like to say, thirty-five years later, here I am. um, You know, and really enjoyed every aspect of it that I've done. I I did the temporary receptionist job for about four or five months. Became a processor. Did that for about four years. Became an originator. Did that for about ten, and then moved over into the management side and was a regional manager for a long time at at BBNT and have since moved on and uh, have been at True Lion about two and a half years now and, and really enjoy the, the credit union space as well. That's been a big change for me, but um, have found it really exciting to be in a, a place that is growing and really cares about their members and, and how they're treated.
0: So Beth, how did you get into managing? So you made the transition as an originator to managing. How did that all happen?
1: The manager that I had at the time decided that they were going to retire, and were are at that stage in their career, and they had probably four or five months' notice. You know, during that time that they they were looking for a way to transition, and and the regional president at BBNT at the time then and the manager approached me and asked if I would be interested in that position. And and I give um, her credit; she really is the person who set me on the path to management, which is is what I I love to do. And it it was just a really good fit, but it was because I I had a manager who cared enough about my career and looked at what she felt like were my strengths and and then worked towards helping me move into a managerial role. So it, it took someone else's initiative to see that in me to put me in that role space. Wow, that's a great
0: story. So talk about your current challenges in your position now. Of course, you are running both sales and ops at the credit union. Talk about the challenges that you face.
1: Pat, it's such an interesting time in the world of mortgage lending, as we know, certainly with interest rates dropping the way that they did. And um, due to COVID and, and now with the Fed beginning to taper off their purchases and, and watching to see where rates will go. I think we all know there's not a lot of room for upward movement with rates. But it's just an interesting time in, in mortgage lending overall with the the huge volume that we've had and then what's expected to be slowdowns predicted by Fannie, Freddie, MBA, everyone you know, in the next couple coming years with with refinances going away. It's interesting to be at a, a credit union where we're trying to grow our line of business here. And when I got here it was a fairly small department with about twelve to fourteen employees in it. We're now up to about forty. Um and feel like we still need to continue to grow even with the the downturn in volume. And so you're you're looking at employees and trying to figure out who who in the group is a person that would be good elevating into another role, who's a great role player where they are, people that are happy with the job that they have currently or trying to add staff. And and certainly in a refi boom, it's a very difficult proposition to to add staff in, in the mortgage world. And I think we're starting to see that kind of change some there have been a couple of big layoffs announced just this week in the in our market area in North Carolina. I and mean, we have to take advantage of this, some of that and pick up some good players as well.
0: So talk about the trends that you see in mortgage banking for the next year or so.
1: Certainly. And I think the big one everyone sees is that we are going to move away from a market dominated by refinances and dom- and move into a market that will be primarily purchase driven, which is, you know, an entirely different type of transaction. You've really got to have speed. You've got to have quality of service. You've got to be able to be competitive in your rate offerings. Uh, the The housing inventory continues to be the biggest driving factor, I think, in the purchase money market. And it, indications recently have shown that that's easing up a little bit, but really not a lot. And I think the other big thing, too, Pat, you know, we're really big on electronic delivery here. And we've done e-closings, fully fully e-closings and North Carolina with the true lines on those for a couple of years now. And in fact, they're getting ready to do our first full Ron closing, which means that all the parties will be in different locations under North Carolina's emergency video notarization law. But I I think technology improvements like that are gonna really start to differentiate competitors from each other. It's gonna be all about service and delivery in mortgage for the next two to three years. That's a great point, to say
0: the least, and it'd be interesting to see how that segments lenders who haven't made the investments for sure. So with all the changes in mortgage banking, and you just talked about RON and electronic closings, how do you stay on top of all these changes?
1: Well, certainly we read a lot of what comes out. You know, I, I pay attention to what's in the in the mortgage industry news that you can see that's out there. And our, our LOS provider, too, you know, they they will push you in directions and say, hey, you know, have you looked at this? If you go to, you know, any mortgage bankers conventions, Acuma, any of those things, you know, there are plenty of third-party vendors out there that are saying, we've got things that are a better way to do this or look at this. Maybe it's, maybe it's simple file. It's a way to, you know, Uh, record your your deed cancellations, or maybe it's an LOS system improvement or a pricing engine improvement. But there, I think technology, keeping up with technology is one of the biggest challenges that that most businesses have today um, and staying in front of that, you know, and understanding the improvements that you can make. It's all about efficiency gains when you get into a market like we're moving into, because your cost can really be a problem for you when there's Fewer loans to do in the markets. Everybody's fighting over kind of a smaller piece of pie, if you will. And what you want to do is is make sure that you're as efficient as you can be so that you don't have costs that affect your rates. It affects your pricing. It affects your profitability. So you've got to really learn to become streamlined.
0: Well, let's move into our main topic and talk about, and you started as a processor back in the day, talk about this issue as a career path of moving processors into originators. A lot of companies still view the processor as somebody that is just administrative. I think all of that is changing, and this leads to this other issue when it's difficult to hire originators, that we need to kind of look at the path, a career path, starting with the processor. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think there's a really easy migration from from a processor to an MLO if you have the right person in the role. Processors can be paper pushers in some organizations where they're really just verifying that the document is there and pushing it forward to the underwriter. But if you have a processor who really serves as a, a credit review, maybe even consider them as like almost a junior underwriter, then you have a person who really understands at a deep level what it takes to put a file together. You know, and I always say processing is the backbone of mortgage lending. If you've got a good processing group, then everything else tends to pretty much fall in place. Um, You need quality in, you need quality loans coming in, certainly, but that processor can take that file And they're what makes all the difference in the timing of when it's approved. They're what makes the difference in the conditions that are placed on the file. And so what a better person to become a mortgage originator in the end, because they have that understanding of if I do this, then I will get that as a result of it out of, out of the underwriting process. Some people, their personality fit, you know, as a processor, they may not want to be a salesperson. Some do. And I think I think that there are are roles for each, um, but I think it's a great way to train people to become an originator. Um, They have all they're equipped with all the tools at the end of a, you know, a period of time, whether that's six months, a year, two years, whatever you choose. You know, that processor can actually during that time also learn some of the sales aspects of of lending too. when you have a really good processor MLO team. That's such a positive force and can dominate a market, you know, if you've got a really good LO with a really good processor. And those teams, too, typically you see over time those processors may well become an originator and, and do that very proficiently.
0: So Beth, how did you move from processing to origination and typically what you tend to see on the processor side, uh, either management doesn't see them as future loan officers or the processor themselves needs time period to bridge. Did you have a bridge period where you moved from obviously a salary to the commission side?
1: Um, I did a little bit, yeah. I I knew pretty early in that, that I wanted to be an originator. i enjoyed the time that I had processing. I spent about three and a half years as a processor and and learned a lot, as I've said, during that time, found it very valuable, but was fortunate at the time to be with a company that would allow me about a six-month window to really get into the origination side of it. And I worked at that time when I was a processor too. I, I took advantage of going out to trade organizations to Making myself visible out in the market, and and not in a way that would compete with the loan officers that I worked for, but certainly as a way to complement them, um, you know. So by the time I got ready to move into the origination side of it, I already had contacts and new people. I think it's we all can appreciate it's pretty difficult to start new and in, in the business. And I think that's one of the reasons for this conversation, Pat. You know, is it's hard to to take somebody and start them as an originator day one on the street without putting a lot of really expense into that person if you take a processor who's kind of a known quantity in the market i think you stand a much better chance of being successful with it but somebody's got to have the the vision to do that and i think you know one of the other things in today's market too the mortgage business much like others in the credit crisis really didn't hire up or staff up we didn't put a lot of new people into the business and so you've got kind of this 10-year gap where not a lot of people got into mortgage lending, and so you have a need to have processors come in and fill that space where you've got originators that are aging out, and uh, processors are just the perfect candidate to do that. It's It's a pretty easy onboarding and training ramp up if you're a processor to understand what you need to be an originator. Well, that leads to my favorite
0: topic where we're going to talk about training. And so talk about what training that you think that you need to provide to move that processor into an originator position.
1: We definitely start, you know, first thing is just credit-based training. So make sure the processor understands self-employed borrower income, asset verification, um, you know, all of those those credit components that go into a file, the collateral, the credit capacity. You know, the things that we all have been trained to look at. And so once you're proficient in that, then I think it's important that you start to layer in along that way, people skills, understanding, you know, customer service, or in our case, member service. What is it that you're trying to achieve is kind of what I always like to ask of of my staff. So what are we trying to achieve if we want to grow processors into MLOs? What are the components they need? And a big part of that is the customer service piece, the networking piece, the sales piece, time management. Um, In today's world, social media management, you know, there are those components of that that are not really credit based. And so you've got to figure out a way to give them time and space to to be there and to learn those pieces of it to be successful.
0: When you went from three and a half years to four years as a processor and then you moved into origination, so what was the length of time before you really got going and talk about in today's world, how long do you really have to spend do you do you have to spend 4 years go through enough files talk about those issues
1: well i've, I've been around a long time so things well, were too. slower back then <laughs> you know this is we used to calculate you know apr manually back in those days so and a, and a fax machine was high technology <laughs> um, so it is a it is a little different today i do think you can ramp people up much quicker you know there are so many resources out there, even like our MI partners all have you know, training courses that they'll put out. They're a series of courses of, of how to process and um, how to get, you know, ramped up to speed doing that or, you know, key, key components of a uh, success as an originator. And we look for those. and We look for some more formalized training that we pay for as well. And, and I think you've got to have some good personality testing skill, personality-based testing, Pat, which I know you're good at of. What are proficiencies that this person has? And, you know, if, if someone is... An introverted person who likes to deal with numbers, they're probably going to struggle being a salesperson out on the street. And you have to recognize those core competencies, if you will, somewhere fairly early on. And I think testing today is probably the best way to do that. But for me, you know, at that time, I I knew what I wanted to do and I knew that I wanted to be in the sales piece of it. I knew that I really liked that client interaction And things that are going on in in that arena. And so I created a business plan and presented it to my manager and said, "Okay, you know, here are the things that I'm going to do to go out and grow business, whether at the time that was going to open houses on Sundays and offering to, you know, stay with realtors at that, talk to people at those kind of the simple things that that you can still do today it's it's the it's building a relationship with a referral source is what you've got to become proficient at if you want to be successful in that transition and and then figuring out how many referral sources you need. In reality, if you get five to seven good referral sources, you can provide a really good, really good service to them if they have enough business. That's easier than trying to be um, a person who has 24 or 25 referral sources out there on your own. And I think early on in that sales cycle, some people make the mistake of of kind of the shotgun approach and just trying to to align themselves with anyone that'll send them business rather than really being more specific and narrowing down who you're looking for.
0: So Beth, talk about the role of the processor today. certainly is being changed by technology. So therefore, this whole role of the administrative side is progressively moving away because uh, companies like Blend and others are doing somewhat of the documentation side. So should lenders actually be hiring individuals that are just administrative? Or, as you say, if they're going to have a path to coming originators, they need to have people skills.
1: You know, it's an interesting thought, Pat, and and, and one that I'm sure is, is debated in, in boardrooms everywhere in the mortgage industry Is is how do you provide a... A pipeline of, of people that could grow into not only originators, but, you know, into into many roles. And with technology improvements and auto verification and, you know, day one certainty, how much credit validation is someone really looking at and learning? And, and so I think that you've got to make a decision if you want to have a way to bring younger people into the industry and to train them up into really any role they want to be in, processor to LO or, you know, it could be into secondary underwriting whatever you've still got to pull a group of people and provide them a path forward through that personality based type training and and testing and also um you know through through the training that's out there and figure out where people are proficient it is going to be interesting to see how technology pushes all of these positions on the front where you can have people that just verify data and if they want to do that that's fine but then maybe what you do is you set up a mortgage loan originator assistant so you go from a processor to a mortgage loan originator assistant and then you're actually helping that originator um, with the loans that they're bringing in the door and with their referral sources and from there you can migrate into being a loan officer maybe you move them into a a digital loan officer space and, a, you know, with web apps coming in or a call center that we've done that here as well. And then from there, they can move out into what we would call a retail or a forward-facing originator. So there's several paths forward with it. Processing has always been, you know, kind of the most logical. And I think you can work around the technology improvements to, to make it fit whatever you need for your model.
0: So you would say that a career path is more important than ever, and that lenders really need to be committed to it because moving forward, the type of job responsibilities are changing dramatically.
1: Absolutely, and I think technology will continue to push us in that direction. And I think, you know, as we're talking about going into this market for the next two to three years with a lack of inventory and and more competition for the same deals, in house lenders, at real estate firms, um, online lenders, you know the Rise of the IBMs and you know, everybody's looking to try and figure out how to slice and dice this and be successful at it. I think that a strategic approach to staffing is is critical for success. There are places where you need a person who is gonna stay in a role forever and be proficient at it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're trying to grow people and grow a sales force out of it, then you've got to you've got to really give that some look. You cannot just leave that to chance. Well, I
0: agree with that 100%. So we only have a couple minutes left. Beth, any uh, final thoughts that you would like to share?
1: You know, Pat, as a career mortgage lender, I think it's just important that we continue to adapt change. And I think it's important that we define where we want to go and where we want to be. And I, I hope that we don't end up in that kind of dearth of of hiring anyone like we were in the you know, 2010 range with the credit crisis and what ensued after that. And I hope that we can continue to focus on maybe you don't need as many people, but you certainly need quality people and you you need to focus on that quality service component because I believe that's what's going to be the main driver of success going forward.
0: It's always about the people. Can't agree with you more. I want to thank you, Beth, for sharing your thoughts. and I want to thank everyone for listening. I certainly appreciate you spending time with us today. Thanks again, Beth.
1: Thank you so much, Pat. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at